89.9 The Light, you're in conversation with Clayton and joining me from the UK is the man behind uh, Relationology International and we're talking to him about a very specific part of his world today as well. We're going to introduce that in a moment. Matt Bird joins me by the wonders of Zoom. G'day Matt. Hey Clayton, it's great to be with you and your listeners today. I'm here in uh, Wimbledon, London, sending lots of uh, London love to Melbourne. Well, and we are doing that to you as well. We know, obviously, that uh, everyone going through the UK at the moment is uh, is facing this pandemic in ways that are just extreme. So we certainly send that to you too. Matt, you also have a, a great love of Australia because I know that you've had uh, lots to do with lots of Australians. So where did that come from? Gosh, well, a friend of mine, Gary Rucci, who lives up in the Gold Coast uh, a few years ago, he invited me out. Uh, because he thought uh, the NGO I lead, Cinema Network International, could work really well in Australia. And so the, the 12 months before the pandemic, I was in Australia four times. And uh, I just love Australia. I love Australians. And I'm so looking forward to getting the jab and uh, being international travel safe and being back with you in Australia really soon. That'd be great. Let's let's introduce a, a couple of those concepts. We've talked about relationology. We've talked about cinnamon. Explain what they are before we even get to this book that we want to talk about today. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm, you know, one of the things I've realized during lockdown, Clayton, is I'm a business and social entrepreneur. I have ideas. I come up with things. I love launching them. So Cinnamon Network International, we have a full-time national director in Australia, Nick McKay. He lives in Melbourne. He'll probably be listening to this. And we help Local churches transform local communities. So our role is a servant to the local church, a gift to the local church to help them be even more effective in changing lives in the community. <clears throat> but I also run a business, Relationology International, and we help leaders and their organisations build profitable relationships. And our Relationology partner in Australia, Richard Beaumont, also lives in Melbourne, actually. And uh, so, um, yeah, and I also run a wine business and I also preach and write and broadcast. So uh, I, I just love life. I love God. I love people. And uh, it's just all pretty infectious for me. Yeah, which is absolutely fantastic. Infectious um, in the right way, Clayton. Yes, yes. No, no. Uh, we, we need the good infections around at the moment, not the bad ones. Um, it, it seems like for you, Matt, that it, through all of that, whether it's the business, whether it's the organisation, whether it's the work that you're doing, um, it does have something to do with people and helping people. Um, you mentioned, you know, God in, in that conversation as well. We know that, you know, half the listeners who listen to this station um, follow a, a faith belief, a, a Christian faith belief, and half sort of say, well, I don't really follow anything, um, but I, I don't mind listening. Um, does the, the, the spur for you to help people move them on uh, towards something better come from that faith aspect? Does it come from somewhere else? Is it a combination of something? For me, Clayton, what I've discovered is that meaning in life is found by what you give, not by what you get. Um, you know, there are lots of people out there who think that getting more um, is going to satisfy them or fulfill them. And, and all that I've found, whether I've had a little in life or I've had a lot in life, what I've always found is the greatest pleasure comes actually uh, by giving and helping other people. And so whether it's faith or not faith, business or non-profit, for me, it's all about people, encouraging people, helping people, particularly at times like these when we all need even greater encouragement. 
Yeah, that's great. Um, we want to speak to you today specifically because there's so many things, as you mentioned, we could talk to you about. But something that uh, I've realized um, hasn't had huge amount of publicity. There's people in my family who have uh, been diagnosed, a few different people with dyslexia and, and, and are living with that. Some only discovered it sort of, you know, uh, 70 years into their life, uh, that this is something that they, they've understood. Others are younger than that. Um, you also had dyslexia and understood that quite young in your life. Is that correct? Yeah. Well, you know, at school, I just didn't do well. I find it hard to read. I found it hard to write. Um, and the school thought I was stupid. And you know what? When I left school, I left school. Sadly, I left school believing I was stupid. Mm. And, uh, you know, it's uh, things have moved on a little bit since then. But, you know, people with dyslexia and other things you know it can it can create a really powerful um limitation on their lives a self-limiting limitation actually although it's imposed by others it's actually what's in our mind that 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 really shapes these things yeah um for those who you know i'm assuming that majority of people will probably understand what dyslexia is but just in case what's your definition of what dyslexia is Um, I think the best way to describe it is practically what it means. I can read a book and not remember what it said. Um, I I can come to write um, an essay or an article or a couple of sentences and struggle, Um, not just spelling, but grammar. Everything is just, it's my my processing is just a bit different. I'm not sure that's how you technically describe it, but for me, that's how it presents itself uh, in my life. Yeah, I, I know certainly with the those in my world who have this, and, and we're understanding it more and more that one of the ways we've best been able to describe it is that if you have a sentence, um, each of those words comes into their their brains, uh, but it could be all out of order. So that it, that one sentence might have nine words in it, but all the words are coming in different different ways, shapes, and, and forms. And so there's this constant struggle to be able to put it in the right order. Uh, that's all the hard yards, and then you've got to try and work out what it means um, and of course everyone else is is sort of perhaps you know experiencing that much quicker and moving on um, and that's certainly how we've been trying to understand uh, those of us in the family who are don't have dyslexia to, to help and to, to work with and that certainly seems something similar to the way you've described it as well yeah yeah, yeah. it is absolutely and my I have three children uh, my two sons don't have dyslexia but my daughter does mm. and um, you yeah, it, it makes school. Um, as good as the school is, really, really challenging for her. Yeah, absolutely. We're having the same as uh, going through school too. Um, let's talk about that then, because one of the things that you've done is say, look, I, I want to talk about this. I want to talk about what that is. I want to even uh, put out a book that uh, might sort of direct and help people to say, look, this is something that can be uh, uh, you know, work through. It's not something you snap your fingers and you just suddenly it, it's not, not there anymore. Uh, so take us through that process of, of why you wrote this and, and, you know, what was the intent behind your, your, your aim to help people? Yes, I'm passionate about writing, even as a dyslexic, and helping other people write. And I always say to people at this point, you know, I was in remedial English at school. That's how they dealt with my dyslexia. I was later described um, diagnosed as dyslexic and I struggle to write although I love speaking as many of your listeners will know um, and uh, you know I, I first wrote my book uh, my first book back in 2000 and since then I've written more than a dozen books 
as a dyslexic. And now this month, I've just launched a course called Writing My Book, and I'm coaching 10 first-time authors. Just um, incredible. So, you know, I mean, you're, what first presents itself in your life as a disadvantage, it is possible to turn it to an advantage. And that's what I've tried to do with my dyslexia. I actually think dyslexia is a gift. Uh, people with dyslexia think differently. Uh, they see connections between things differently. And actually, many of uh, the world's great entrepreneurs struggled at school, left early, and struggled with dyslexia. Yeah. So, you know, anybody listening today, you know, an adult or, or a child, or you've got a child or grandchild with dyslexia, I'd really encourage you, reframe it. This is not a problem. Dyslexia is a gift. Mm. Yeah. People with dyslexia think and process differently. And we need people to think and process differently to innovate and create an enterprise. Yeah. And so that's what I've chosen to do. I've turned my disadvantage into an advantage. Yeah. And uh, so I'm, uh, I'm now coaching other people to become authors. It's just remarkable. We're going to talk a bit more about that and, and maybe delve into some more of those gifts that others are seeing and, and understand and unpack that a bit more in just a moment with Matt Bird. He's my guest here on In Conversation on 89.9 The Light. In Conversation with Clayton. 89.9 The Light, you're in conversation with Clayton. Matt Bird is my special guest uh, from Cinnamon International Relationology uh, International. And also, uh, he is just currently, as we've heard, Matt, uh, running this course to take 10 people through the very first time uh, they're going to be authoring their own books. And here you are, somebody who has dyslexia. We're, we're talking about that incredible uh, gift, as you mentioned. Uh, you did say that there's people who have dyslexia, do have this gift. They, they look at the world in different ways. Um, can you actually describe some of the ways that you've seen people actually doing that? What are some of the ways that they've looked at it differently? You know, yeah, problem solving, you know, is a, is a really important competence in any business. And some of the best problem solvers I've met are people who just think differently. And one of the ways people think differently is if they, you know, for me, it's dyslexia. For others, it's other um, processes they have that are not the normal. Uh, and bringing us into a situation, um, we can see things and think laterally in a way other people can't. So, you know, problem solving, you know, is great. But also innovation and enterprise uh, there's a lot of jobs that have been le left lost through the pandemic and people out of work and business struggling. Uh, and one of the needs we have is for new enterprise. We need new enterprises to create new jobs and new opportunities for people. Um, yeah. You know, it's so important. So we need dyslexics at this time more than ever. We yeah. need dyslexics who innovate and think differently to come up with new business enterprises. I mean, during lockdown, I created uh, a new wine business called Rebottling. And we provide um, outstanding experiences of the best wines in the world, guided by the greatest sommeliers, in the comfort of your own home. I'm sorry, it's only available in the UK at the moment. But I'm sure there are one or two Australians out there who think, this is a good idea, Matt, let's talk. <laughs> what I love about it too is that, um, you know, for, for you as we, we, we look at your story, that, um, you know, the passion, the energy, it, it is something that you've said, look, I'm going to push through, but I'm now going to look at it as that gift. I'm going to take that through. Um, let, let's sort of change tack a little bit for a moment. Here you are, you're going to take people through 
uh, writing their own books. Um, let's talk about that. Everyone's sort of, you know, the old phrase is everyone's got a good story in them to tell, uh, something along those, those lines. How do you actually go about starting somebody off on, on writing something? I think all, all of us, it's true, we do have something to share. So how do you actually start that process? Yeah, well, I believe everyone has a book in them, Clayton. So everybody listening today, you have a book in you. The first thing I do, actually, is I talk to people about this. Now, if you're watching, you can see it. If you're listening, you can't. But I'm holding up a champagne flute. And when I did my MBA, my Master's in Business Administration, I put this champagne flute on the shelf above my desk where I would do my studies. And every time I sat down to study, I'd look at it. And particularly when I felt like giving up, I'd look at it because the champagne flute reminded me why I was doing my MBA. I was doing my MBA so I could enter into the business world. And I imagined getting together with my best friends and drinking some of the finest champagne and celebrating and feeling on top of the world <laughs> um, You know, when I graduated. And, and so the first thing I do with people who are, want to write a book is I, I work with them on their why. What's their motivation? because it's so important to start with the end in mind. What is the purpose for you wanting to write a book? And then I encourage them to, uh, to find an object, whether it be a champagne flute or whatever it might be, and to put it in, visibly in the place where they're gonna write. Uh, and for that object to symbolize success and completion and publishing the book, and to associate with that object lots of positive emotions. So as they write and the going gets tough, and it always is, there are always moments when you get your manuscript rejected or you just, you've got a blank sheet and you can't get a word out, you get writer's block. Um, you know, you look at your object and you're just reminded why, why you are writing. And you bring up those positive emotions um, of how you're going to feel when, when the job's done. So that's actually one of the first things because I think the greatest barrier to writing a book are your own self-limitations. Yeah. Our uh, limitations are imposed on us by our own minds and our own thinking. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, that, that simple sort of analogy or understanding is probably relevant to almost anything we want to try and actually achieve that's a little oh, yeah. bit outside the comfort zone that we currently know, isn't it? To, to find yeah. something to remind us why we're doing it, to inspire us to keep going, whether it's exercise or whatever else it might be. I think those moments are, are really key. Yeah. I've got something else here, Clayton. Yes. There's a little pile of books. Uh, if you're watching online, you can see these. Uh, these are some of the books I've written or, or that I've encouraged other people to write. So, you know, I just want to say it, it, having visual reminders, you know, is really, really powerful. I've got a, I've got a globe here as well. If, you, if yes. you're listening, I'm, I'm holding up a, a globe that's spinning around. That's another visual reminder for me of my passion for the world, not just my own country. Yes, love that. Oh, uh, oh, and this, here we go, Clayton. I don't want to hijack the interview. Do you know what these are? Well, they I'm look like a pair of baby shoes. Yes. They're my first pair of shoes. Oh, wow. And uh, you can see at the end, they've got little scuff marks. Yeah. Um, and I keep those on my desk to remind me that first steps are important, no matter how faltering they might be. Nice. So coming to write a book, you know, there'll be lots of faltering steps, but you don't create anything. Um, when you're not in motion. Yeah. So it's so important to keep moving forwards. 
it, it also brings me to sort of a, a discussion around that idea of, you know, we, we talk about each of us are learners in different ways. You know, there's the visual, there's the, the audio, there's the kinesthetic. It seems like for you, clearly visual, it means a lot for you. Um, <laughs> and I suppose that's the same idea, isn't it? That if somebody's a bit more auditory, well, what's the piece of music that you need to play that, that allows you to get focused on what it is or, or take you to the place that you need it? What's the, the thing that you need to do that allows you to get back into the zone? Because um, anything of something that we're going to achieve beyond and a bit beyond where it is, is going to take hard work and there's going to be setbacks and we're going to have struggles along the way, right? They're, they're just mandatory almost to, to get to something good. Yeah, and music is so emotive, isn't it? I love using music to pump myself up, ready to write or do something, um, you know, because we, we can change our, our mood and our state, you know, by, by through, through music, visual objects and all of that. We can use them to, to leverage ourselves into a place where we're energised uh, to deliver. Yeah, absolutely right. Um, Matt, we're going to give you a last word because, you know, uh, you and I, we're not short on words. Uh, so let, let's give you an opportunity as well as we just finish up here. You know, we, we wanted to just hear your story. I, I, I desired for, for people and across this program is certainly and indeed this radio station is to hopefully inspire people to take it. So, you know, if you're living with dyslexia, maybe you've just been um, given that diagnosis, hopefully this has helped you. Um, but broadly, um, you know, you, you, you trans sort of look, look across so many areas of life, Matt, whether it's as people are coming out of this pandemic a bit more here, you guys are in the middle of it more. What would you want to say to, to those who are listening right now? I think I'd want to say to you, dyslexia is a gift. You know, uh, and, and whoever you are, dyslexic or not, you have a book in you. And I believe there is nothing that you cannot achieve, whether it's book or something else. Uh, and most of the limitations we, we have are, are self-imposed. So I'd really encourage you this new year to lift the limitations off uh, and think big. I spoke to somebody recently about joining a Relationology Mastermind. I mean, Richard Beaumont, our partner in Australia, is launching a mastermind at the beginning of February. And this guy I spoke to, he said, oh, I've not really got a goal that I want to work on in a mastermind. And I'm thinking, gosh, you're entering the new year without a goal that's going to stretch you. Um, gosh, I just want to encourage everybody listening, set yourself a goal this year that's going to stretch you. Don't go into this year thinking I can easily do <clears throat> what's ahead of me. Set something out there that's going to push you, drive you and pull you through these yeah. really, really challenging times. Yeah. What a great encouragement, Matt. I don't think it's going to be the last we're chatting on this program or indeed uh, hearing your inspiration uh, with us across the radio station. Thank you once again. Good luck with the uh, the course and all the various things that I'm sure we'll be hearing of uh, your work going forward as well. Thanks again for your time. Thank you, Clayton. Great to be with you and your community. Matt Bird, my special guest here on 89.9 The Light.